0: Her name is Liberty, and she went through a phase where she called her robe a rope. I gotta get my rope on, Mom. I said, what are you gonna put on? My rope. What are you gonna go get? My rope. And (laughs) it was so cute, I couldn't correct her. And, you know, when she's 12, and she's still calling it a rope, it might be a problem. But for now, it's super cute. So I love the feeling in here. This is beautiful. How about that worship? What in the world? It's, it's so good. You, you guys remember that time Chris Valentin prophesied over you world stage? It's so great to see you on your Australian world stage. Anybody can preach the gospel after that. This is going to be so easy. <laughs> you guys, I have a book back there that I brought for you. It's called The War on Your Voice, and um, you know, it is really my story. And uh, you know, Romans 8 says that the entire earth is yearning on tiptoe for the sound of sons and daughters of God to erupt on the earth. And there's actually Healing for the earth in the sound of your voice. Because we know from Jesus that sons reveal a father, right? And the whole earth is aching for, you know, our, our voice is like the sound of a dinner bell that calls sons and daughters home. And I didn't know there was a war on that sound, that the enemy is actually terrified of, That you would rise up in confidence knowing what your sound does to a groaning earth. And I remember, uh, you know, in 2001, I um, moved to Redding, California. Your pastors lived there for a year. Um, And went to Bethel School Supernatural Ministry. And I remember being in my second year class and there was just this spontaneous time happening and our leader was just calling anybody up that wanted to say something spontaneously on the microphone and it was just this beautiful time of people praying and prophesying and I just so vividly remember sitting in the back of the room and thinking, I'm not gonna go up there. Everything that could be said has already been said Everybody said it so beautifully and so profoundly, like there's nothing left to say. And I didn't know that I was agreeing with an orphan spirit that orphans think I have to be the loudest to stand out. I have to be the most profound to have a significant place in this move of God and You know, your voice isn't significant because you're the most profound or you're the loudest or you sound the best or people applaud when you talk. Your your voice is significant because you have a father. And people have been saying for generations, God is good. God is faithful. I love you, Jesus. But nobody in all of human history has ever stepped into your story as the the very heartbeat of God, that you were his idea and said, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. You are faithful. You are good. And, you know, every parent knows that our kids don't stand out because of how they measure up next to everybody else in the room. And you know, my girls love to act, they're very dramatic. And every year we go to the school play, and I'm not showing up to watch that one kid that's just killing it. You know, like, whoa. Who's gonna be the best? And you know, I bring flowers every time and I'm not waiting to see who does the best job to decide who's gonna get the flowers I bring. No, like, I, I show up looking for who belongs to me. Like, I, I came to see her, I came to hear her. And for all of eternity, you will stand out, not because you're profound and head and shoulders above the rest, but because you're his and there will never be another that hits his heart like you hit his heart because he's not a taskmaster he's not a business owner he's not an efficiency monitor he's not just trying to get stuff done on the earth he's a lover he's a father and your voice is significant because it's your voice. And, you know, when Jesus was on the brink of being crucified, an entire battalion of soldiers gathered around him. And that was hundreds of soldiers. And they they gathered to mock him. And, you know, back in that, that day, they the soldiers were disturbingly cruel. And, you know, he had just been flogged which meant that shards of metal were hanging from whips with the intention of ripping through flesh. And you know, historically, many prisoners didn't even survive the flogging because it was so brutal. And when he was placed before hundreds of soldiers, it, it was super likely that he could barely stand up and probably had organs exposed from the flogging. And they gathered around and put a purple robe on his back and a staff in his hand and twisted a crown of thorns and pushed it into his skull and started spitting on him and bending down and mocking the king of the earth. Hail, king of the Jews. And, you know, the Bible says Jesus was completely silent you know, they, they were mocking the one for all of eternity that every knee would literally bow and confess, you are Lord. And he said nothing. And our Redeemer became silent on our behalf. So never again in our story would we have to use our voice to defend who we are. To defend who we belong to your voice would never be used to have to puff yourself up and he absorbed every twisted and perverted mocking spirit that would want to lie to you and say you're not significant your voice doesn't matter your life doesn't matter and he He made a way so that no matter what was put on you or what was taken off of you, your identity would be defined by him and him alone. And, you know, as I just kind of prayed over you when I got this invitation, I just felt so honored and I can feel just how much the Father loves each and every one of you in this place. You, You are really special. I just kept uh, having a passage come up that I just really feel like is a word for you. So we're just going to kind of read through this passage. Um, it's in Second Chronicles 20. If you want to open there. And... Um, Jehovah, Jehoshaphat was a king and he gets word that there's three nations that that are surrounding him and they said a great multitude is surrounding you from beyond the sea and I mean this was a uh, Judah was grossly outnumbered three nations to one. And he gets news that they're they're already on the borders of his territory. And it says, then Jehoshaphat was afraid. <laughs> and, you know, probably the most appropriate immediate response when you find out you're grossly outnumbered by your enemy is to be afraid. And, uh, you know, the beautiful thing is that Jehoshaphat was afraid, and it says in verse 3 that he set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. And you know, in the Old Testament, the literal enemy of the people of God was a physical enemy. This, these were like physical nations that were coming to attack the people of God. And we know in the New Covenant, like our enemy is never flesh and blood. It's always a demonic force, um, principalities, and that our our enemy, no matter the season, no matter the circumstance, is never people. Um, And, you know, this is a king modeling for us what to do when we feel surrounded in a war and we get afraid. And the people of God are not set apart as unique because we never feel afraid. But what we do when we get afraid. And when we get afraid, we set our face to seek the Lord. And Jesus said, hey, is there anyone out there that's tired? You know, are, anybody ever been tired? You know, I'm still trying to figure out this jet lag thing. It's like the middle of the night where I'm from. But here I am. You know? Is anybody exhausted? Is there anybody weary? Is anybody... Carrying a heavy burden It's not like you should feel shame You should feel shame if you're a Christian and you feel those things. No, that's not what Jesus said He said if you feel that way come to me Come to me and it's not that we put this pressure on ourselves that we don't process life That we don't process seasons. No, we're set apart because of the way we process life and when you when you get afraid you come to Jesus when you get tired you come to Jesus and he says my yoke is easy my burden is light tie yourself to me and you know that in that passage it literally means bend down your neck to me like come come and bend down your neck let me tie myself to you and i will be your refreshing And so, you know, sometimes we can get in the mindset, man, I I just need to get over this fear so I can just feel the presence of the Lord. And we get over fear in the presence of the Lord, not to experience the presence of the Lord. And so the most important thing to do when you feel surrounded by a spirit of fear, you feel surrounded by, um, you know, a spirit a spirit of insignificance. You, you feel rejected. You feel all alone. You feel unbelief. You, you feel doubt. You don't wait to get over those things before you run to Jesus. You bring all those things to Jesus and he works it out. And Jehoshaphat was, Jehoshaphat was modeling what, what real leadership in the kingdom looks like. It's not that we never feel afraid. It's that let me show you what to do when you get afraid. I'm going to set my face to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat in verse five, it says he stood in the assembly of Judah in Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. And he began to cry out to the Lord and He said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nation. In your hand are power and might, so that none is able to withstand you. And he's reminding himself, he's reminding his people who his God is. And, you know, if Jehoshaphat was using the hand of God to encourage himself, how much more do new covenant believers need to be you know, going and looking at the hand of God to encourage ourselves. There's power in there. There's might in there. There, there is redemption in there. You know, um, the Bible says that he has actually inscribed you in the palm of his hand. And, you know, when, when life gets rough, sometimes we've heard, you know, don't, don't seek the hand of God, seek the face of God. But there's a lot in the hand of God that's super helpful. You know, like Thomas was totally doubting that Jesus had risen from the dead. You remember? And Jesus shows up and what does he show him? He's like, look at my hand, Thomas. Come and touch it. Come and let all your unbelief, all your doubt be absorbed in my hand. Put your hand in my wound and how beautiful that the savior of the world in his fullness of glory still had a wound in his hand that there there in his glorified body was still proof of what he endured on planet earth and you know your redemption is in the hand of Jesus and you know sometimes i just picture myself Just burying my face. You know, you you ever just feel like life is like this? (laughs) And I just picture myself just burying my face in the hand of Jesus. Like, tell me the story again. Remind me of the power in your hand. Remind me of the might in your hand. Remind me of what your hand finished. Let me memorize. What you did. Let me memorize how you're enough, no matter what is surrounding me. And, um, you know, Jehoshaphat was remembering his God. He wasn't remembering his might, he was remembering the might of his God. And he goes through so much history. And, you know, you get down to verse 12, and he ends with, We are powerless against all these people (laughs) you know I'm finding the longer I walk with God the more comfort I find in saying I'm completely powerless without you it's just so freeing like it took so long to be able to just get to that point where we finally just lay down in complete surrender and enjoy our need for him enjoy Living a life that is absolutely dependent on a God of the impossible to break through. And, you know, the quicker we can get to a happiness to need a God of the impossible, the quicker we're going to be living in the fullness of what Jesus paid for. And, you know, one of my heroes, Wendy Backlund, she says, you know, You've, you're, you've started agreeing with hopelessness when we take a God of the impossible out of our story. And, you know, when, when you see the facts, I'm surrounded by an enemy right now. Not just one enemy, but three nations were surrounding the people of God. And when you start to get hopeless about reality, you know, I have removed... a a god of the impossible from this story and you know we are absolutely wired to need a god of the impossible and I love what he says in verse 12 we do not know what to do but our eyes are on you it's like parenting 101 if any of you are on your way to becoming parents who are already parents, the amount of times I've said, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you is <laughs> like endless, you know? It's like the best prayer ever. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And it says, Meanwhile, all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. And they basically you know have their entire lives at at stake in the reality of what's happening and how beautiful that the people of god are inviting the children into the battle they're inviting the little ones and the children and you know there there is you know so much beauty in not shielding the next generation from the need for a huge god and the need when when we find ourselves as a community in a place of needing breakthrough we need to call the children in we need to call the little ones in in our lives in our family units w- inviting them into the process because when we shield them and say ah, i don't know how this is going to work out so i i mean i just want to wait to see before i expose them to the story we're we're actually stealing legacy from them we're actually stealing the opportunity for them to experience god for themselves for them to experience The hugeness of God for them to experience what it feels like to trust God, to need God. And I love that they, you know, in the natural, it looks like they're all on the brink of being annihilated. And they invited the children in to crying out to their God. And as they're crying out, it says the spirit of the Lord came upon Jehazel and he's the son of all these people and when you look when you look at the commentary he's actually not even a known prophet but the spirit of the lord comes upon him and he just starts speaking boldly about what's about to happen and he says listen all of judah and inhabitants of jerusalem and king jehoshaphat (laughs) so he's telling the king listen to me thus says the lord don't be, def- don't be afraid and don't be dismayed at this great horde. For the battle is not yours, but God's. And tomorrow we're going to go down against them. And behold, we're going to find them in the wilderness. And you will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them and the Lord will be with you. And then Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. And all of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And what a beautiful response of humility on the king's part of faith that, how much does it take to move us to respond? Like, does it have to be a man with a title? Does it, does it have to be somebody that has a ministry card and is endorsed by Bill Johnson himself? You know? Like, how much does it take to be able to, to receive a word like this is this is the Lord himself talking to me. And how much humility does it take for a king to be okay with the word coming through somebody else in the crowd. And that I I will respond in faith in the same measure as if it was God himself talking to me. Because he just talked through you. And the sensitivity it takes to the Holy Spirit you know, you know, Jesus came in, in such an offensive way. And Bill Johnson says that he, the Lord hides things for the humble and the hungry. And, you know, sometimes we're like, God, what are you saying? And we just have to get low enough to hear him. I remember this one time I was trying to make a decision and, I, t- I was just thinking out loud. I-, I wasn't even talking to the Lord. And I thought, oh, well, that door closed. Uh, and instantly in my spirit, I heard, that door didn't close. It just shrunk. And you're not walking in enough humility to get low enough to crawl through it. <laughs> and I'm crawling through that door now. Here I go. <laughs> and, you know, The the humility that is required to become like Jesus is beautiful. Because he left everything to take the lowest seat, to put on the brown robe of humanity and serve people. And I just think it's so beautiful that Jehoshaphat, responded with absolute confidence to a nobody getting a word from the Lord and bowed down immediately in worship and surrendered to a a wildly radical word. You're going to go out there, you're going to find them, the Lord's going to fight for you. And he responded with worship and they all stood up to praise the Lord with a very loud voice. And they started turning their celebration on when there was still three nations surrounding them ready to defeat them. And the the praise came with the promise of God. And in in your personal process right now, like Your weapon is what has God said. And respond like it's already happened. Rejoice like it's already happened. Don't wait for the physical realm to line up before you start rejoicing in what Jesus has said, in what Jesus has promised. And, you know, faith starts in the invisible realm first. And, you know, confidence doesn't need any external evidence to to begin to worship and to begin to praise. And, you know, and they rose early the very next morning and went out and responded to the word of the Lord. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood up and said, hear me, Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you will be established you will succeed and he appointed those who were to sing to the lord and praise him in holy attire as they went before the army and they were to say they were they were going to sing give thanks to the lord for his steadfast love endures forever <laughs> and when they began to sing and praise the lord set an ambush and you know, their song was about the nature of God. And your greatest weapon will, will never be your spiritual gifts. It will never be how powerful your prayers are. It will never be how long you fast. It will never be your prophetic acts. Your greatest weapon in all of life is the nature of God. And there, there is nothing worth surrendering our trust to more than the nature of God. And every battle we find ourselves in is not first about winning the battle. It's first about what am I supposed to be drinking in and resting in about the nature of God. And they were singing His steadfast love endures forever. That the love of God was going to be their sword. The love of God was going to be their confidence. And, you know, it's so easy in seasons where there's so much swirling around us to get distracted from the main event. But the one thing that will never change in all of our pursuits will be the The nature of God is the main event. The nature of God drinking in. Who who are you wanting to be for me that I have never tasted or seen before this moment? You know, Graham Cook says, "Uh, no matter the situation you're facing, it's never first about the situation. It's always first about who does God want to be for me today? That he's never had an opportunity before. I was surrounded by three nations. This is a unique moment that he gets to show up and be steadfast love that endures for every generation in a way that I've never known before. And you know, they were singing about who God was and our our mandate. Is to constantly fill our eyes not with how big our enemy is not with even how big our destiny is but how big is your God like who are you beholding because who who we behold is who we become it's who we become in the battle it's who we become up on the high places in our life we become who we behold and so there's nothing more important in our life than being learning how to re-navigate back to, ah, oh, my eyes are on you. I'm, I'm yielding to who you are. And the Bible says it's not by power. It's not by might. But it's by my presence, says the Lord. And, you know, the, the presence of God in a battle, in a feast... It's, it is the main event. And when they began to sing and set an ambush, it caused all this confusion between the nations. And, you know, when you read the commentary on this story, uh, the theologians say that it is, you know, highly likely that the enemy could hear them coming, could hear the sound of their praise coming. And how confusing to hear an army coming in a spirit of celebration like they're not coming to a battle they're coming to a feast and the the sound of celebration the sound of praise the sound of worship confused their enemy and when you treat a battle like a celebration it confuses your enemy it causes your enemy to turn on himself because that's confusing. And when your confidence isn't shaken, no matter what arrows are being shot at you, it's confusing to darkness. And they started turning on each other. And when Judah came to the watchtower of the wilderness, they made their way up the hill to the outskirts of the enemy, you know? And how beautiful that! They actually responded by going out to where the enemy was. And it, it wasn't like, okay, well, God's going to fight for us. So we're going to wait right here. You know, and let's just all huddle in the corner and really hope that prophecy comes true. But what a beautiful picture of true faith that they were they actually went out to the borders of their land where their their property line had been breached like that they the enemy was trespassing and the promise was i will fight this battle for you and faith looked like going out to the borders of the wilderness and meeting the enemy where he had breached territory and you know when there has been a violation, an injustice, you know, disease is an injustice, apathy is an injustice. There, there is so much, you know, when the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, it is injustice when our land is breached in meeting the enemy out on our territory and, and coming to see what the Lord has done is faith responding to the word of the Lord. I will fight for you. And they get up to the wilderness. And when they look towards the horde, the three nations, and behold, there were dead bodies lying on the ground and none had escaped. If you could just imagine that moment stepping on to the battlefield. And as far as your eyes can see, it's just dead bodies. Like the battle's over. You're, you're showing up to a battle being over. And I mean, if, if they would have just stayed at camp and waited for the news, everybody's dead. They, they would have missed out on Jehoshaphat and his people came to take all their spoil. They found among them in great numbers goods, clothing, precious things. And they took for themselves until they could carry no more. They were three days in taking the spoil. It was so much. And you know what? He, what, what where else do we see someone taking spoil for three days? <laughs> well, the most beautiful place is in the gospel. In the gospel. When Jesus took three days to plunder the pit of hell. And, you know, we as born again believers are not just called to win battles. We're called to take spoil. We're called to take back every single thing that the enemy ever came to steal, kill, and destroy from anybody that we come into contact with and a spirit of abundance means I don't just walk away winning I walk away with three days worth of spoil going back and forth back and forth that my children's children will reap the benefits of what Jesus has done and you know this is a prophetic picture of our starting place in the kingdom Our starting place in the kingdom is Jesus has won. And we don't show up to battles ready to win a war. We show up to battles ready to take spoil. And, you know, it says when they returned, every man of Judah and Jerusalem and and Jehoshaphat and their heads returning to Jerusalem with joy, for the Lord had made them rejoice over their enemy. And listen, the people of God, right now, we are rejoicing over our enemy, not because we're so much taller than him, but because he's literally defeated. He's laid out as far as our eyes can see. But when we don't arise and shine And respond to the word of the Lord. When we stay huddled in our camp, afraid because we're being taunted and surrounded by an enemy, we miss our opportunity to show up and see what Jesus has done, to show up and see our enemy has been defeated. We're rejoicing over our enemy because he's dead. Jesus said, I have put every enemy under my foot. And you know there there is this dangling carrot in Christian faith that victory is always just a little bit out of reach that fullness is always just a little bit out of reach we, we just got to work a little harder we got to try a little harder we got to pray a little longer we got to work harder in fullness, like our arms so full we couldn't carry it all. That it takes three days to carry everything Jesus has won in this day. Just one day at a time. <laughs> that, that it is a from the pit of hell that the people of God would go without. That we would be left wanting when it comes to goodness. That we would be left wanting when it comes to his presence. That there is nothing that hasn't been finished in the blood of Jesus. That that all that is left in our battlefield is us coming with our baskets and taking the spoil. And when we when we buy the lie of lack and we buy the lie of fear, we miss seeing the fullness of what Jesus has has done, the fullness of of what Jesus has purchased. And, you know, this entire story started with a spirit of intimidation. Like, this is going to end poorly. This is going to end terribly. You know, has anybody ever heard that lie? You're like, you get the news, I'm legitimately surrounded by an enemy. You know, and our first thought is, this is going to end so bad. And we start running through the list of how all the terrible things that are gonna happen. And, you know, that is a spirit of intimidation that doesn't want us to wake up to the reality that we are on the brink of experiencing increase in a way that is bigger than we could ever ask, dream, or think. Because for every New Testament believer, the outcome is always Jesus wins. Jesus gets the final say. Jesus finished this war. Jesus defeated the enemy. And, you know, every enemy that, that is currently surrounding your process, what, whatever your soul is wrestling through, on the other side of that battle, is spoil that's beyond your wildest imagination it's it's realizing your posture is a defeated enemy at your feet and you know our strong suit is rejoicing over our enemy rejoicing over the nature of god and you know as i was just praying for you and in your community i just i felt this special anointing over you for worship like this special grace that you are known in heaven as a worshiping community and that you will literally win battles in your city, in your nation, in your personal life through your worship. And, you know, when so much around us is wanting a more profound strategy, you know, wanting a more Spiritual strategy. Wanting a more religious strategy. You're going to be a community that models. Now we're, we're going to just keep rejoicing. We're going to keep worshiping. We're going to keep the main thing, the main thing. We're, we're going to keep singing his steadfast love endures forever. And you know, what the enemy doesn't want you to know is every morning when you wake up he is literally in the corner shuddering i hope today is not the day they begin to live aware of what jesus has done i hope today is not the day they bring their baskets and take back what is rightfully theirs and I just wanna release a blessing over over each and every one of you that wherever you're at in in your personal journey with the Lord, this can only end brilliantly. This can only end with more of an awareness of how beautiful Jesus is. This can only end in you rejoicing over your enemy you're not, you're not just gonna survive this season. You're gonna come out more wealthy than you ever imagined. You're not just gonna squeak by by the skin of your teeth. Your children's children are gonna benefit from the spoil of this season. And so I just thank you, Jesus, that there's, there's nothing left to be won. That our only job is to show up in worship and take what rightfully belongs to us. And so I just bless this community. I thank you that they move your heart. I thank you that they make you smile. I thank you that there's a tender place that nobody else in all of history will be able to fill up inside of your heart that when they wake up in the morning you smile first and i just i just pray for an awareness tonight to be released that you you are you are not concerned about anything or anyone or any situation that's surrounding their life. Because you know the end of the story. You wrote the end of the story. You bought the end of the story. And so I just thank you that this is a community gripped with hope. That this is community gripped with absolute confidence that Jesus has won the victory. And so we just, we celebrate tonight. We rejoice that you are more than enough. You are more than enough to live satisfied, to live overwhelmed, by your goodness and your presence and I just I just bless every every single thing that these people touch and I just pray that it would turn to gold that it would carry the fragrance of heaven that everything they put their hand to would have eternal weight that this would be a community That brings Jesus his reward. That this would be a community that is known in heaven for being like you, for smelling like you, for living to the fullest of everything you purchased. I just thank you for increase, increase, increase. That you're, you're filling every deficit, full to overflowing. And I thank you that when you look at your people, all you can see is victory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Alright. This was fun. Great to be with you. I bless you guys. You are some special, special people. I feel honored to, to have gotten some moments with you. Okay. How about Liam? He's amazing. He he had snacks for me in that room back there. It was so nice. It was chocolate and thoughtful. He's great. Okay, amen. amen.
1: Yes. Very good word. Very timely. Robin and I got, were talking today about just taking back land and, um, and just talking about the promises of God over this region and... Just, it was very, very significant for 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 us as a community. Um, we've we've got it on podcast, so um, yeah, I would encourage in your group, in your you know, in, in your your circles and friendship groups. Like, just I feel like that's a really um, that's a that's a that's a glory city Melbourne uh, pillar word for our community in this season of like that's that's the right now of actually. You know, we have. We have a massive God and a very small devil. <laughs> and so we, we want to see some incredible things. I know there's massive dreams on individuals, uh, but there's also massive dreams corporately for this house and this community uh, and the whole Glory City Network, in fact, and, and what we're going after. And it's just significant. So thank you. That Can we thank Jen again? Thanks so much. <clears throat>